dollars. Uh, that's not right. Yeah, I got you.
taller than me.
Council members, if you will join me on the dais, we will go on and get underway with the special meeting of the Richmond City Council. This meeting is now called to order. Madam Clerk, if you would read the Chamber Emergency Evacuation Plan, I uh, would appreciate it. Upon activation of the emergency alarm signal, all persons should immediately exit the building. Please use the exits to the left or right front of the council chamber or the east or west stairwells outside the rear doors of the chamber. Do not use elevators or escalators. After exiting the building, proceed to the assembly area located in the parking lot bordered by Clay, 8th, and 9th Streets. Citizens and employees should assist visually in hearing impaired visitors with exiting the building. And Madam President, for the record, all members of council are in attendance this afternoon with the exception of Councillor Agilesto. Individuals standing in the rear of the chamber are asked to be seated where seats are available per council's rules. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. We will now have the presentation of the proposed FY 2020 budget by Mayor LeVar Stoney. Welcome, Mr. Mayor. President Newbill, Vice President Hilbert, honorable members of the city council, members of the school board, dedicated fellow city employees and residents of the great city of Richmond, good afternoon. I'm pleased to be with you today to share my vision for Richmond and my hope that you will join me in investing our resources in the areas that reflect our shared priorities. Before I begin, I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge the incredible hard work and dedication of our team. Chief Administrative Officer, Selena Cuffey Glenn, Deputy. <laughs> Deputy CAO for Finance and Administration, Lenore Reed. <laughs> Budget Director, Jay Brown. Finance Director John Wack, and all that are on their team, as well as my Chief of Staff, Lincoln Saunders and, Saunders and his team, all of whom who worked diligently to prepare the budget plan I present to you today. I would also like to thank all of our hardworking, dedicated city employees who serve the great city of Richmond as well. When I took office, I said I didn't want to be just a caretaker, a de facto steward of the status quo. I wanted our time leading this city to be one of progress and growth for all. In just two short years, we have come a long way towards meeting our goals we set for the city and achieving our vision of building one Richmond, a more inclusive, more competitive, and more equitable city. With your support and working, working together, we have prioritized our children, expanded access and opportunity for working men and women, and improved the efficiency and responsiveness of city services. And lest anyone forget, last year, 
we work together to invest in our children. And thanks to the commitment we made, we were able to break ground on three new schools this past December. Today, our economy is strong with $1.5 billion in new investment over the last two years. Our unemployment rate is below 3%. Our household median income is up 5%. And our bond credit rating is a double A plus, making us one step below our goal of triple A. But ladies and gentlemen, what I said two years ago is also still true. Behind the best of list and despite the positive changes we have made, we still have a long way to go. In short, Richmond is certainly on the rise, and I'm confident we are poised to move forward into the top echelon of American cities, but only if we continue to invest in our future. As I said last year, budgets are never easy, and this one is no exception. Starting with utilities, as is the case nearly every year, the cost of maintaining infrastructure and compliance with regulatory requirements will necessitate adjustments in our rates. My budget proposes a rate increase of 3.5% for natural gas, 4% for water and water and wastewater, and 4% for stormwater to be effective on July 1st. These adjustments are necessary in order to adequately fund our operations and capital projects. We estimate that the combined increase in the cost for all utilities will be $5.82 a month per resident, per month for residents. Within our general operations, as a, a strong economy has yielded growth in real estate values, increases in permits, licenses and fees associated with expanded business activity, as well as higher revenues from lodging and prepared foods. But alongside these increases in revenues in some categories, we are also projecting declining revenues within other areas of our budget. From sources such as motor vehicle licenses, the planned reduction in the payment in lieu of taxes from our utilities, and aid from the Commonwealth of Virginia and the federal government. Additionally, our budgets for the past two years have been bolstered by an increase in collections of delinquent personal property taxes. Thanks to the diligence of DCAO Lenora Reed and the finance team. But as we have worked hard to bring those dollars in, it means that there is less available to collect and we are adjusting our budget accordingly reducing the projected collections by $1.6 million. Additionally, recent changes in the city's tax delinquent program, a property sale program approved by city council, will also require we adjust projected collections down by $2 million. Those of you who have been around a while know that most things don't get cheaper over time. They get more expensive. The costs of doing business as a city government are going up, additional, adding additional burdens to our already tight budget. This year alone, the cost of health insurance and retirement benefits for city employees will increase by $3 million. 
our share of the state-mandated salary increases for employees in our constitutional offices will require an additional $900,000. Our obligation to cover the rising costs of medical care and food services for inmates in the city jail will require an additional $1.2 million to be appropriated in our budget. The rising cost of contracts for core services within our Department of Public Works will also cost an additional $1.2 million. I applaud this council's recent expansion of our tax relief program for the elderly and disabled that will help residents living on a fixed income to stay in their homes, an essential goal that I share. But the fiscal reality is that it will require we budget $1.9 million in additional funding to support the program. So, after crunching the numbers, it's clear that our net $12 million in revenue growth barely covers the nearly $10 million we face in rising costs from non-discretionary obligations. To put it simply, we only have enough dollars to maintain the status quo. Madam President, I do not believe that the status quo will advance our city into the upper echelon of American cities. I do not believe we can continue to build our budgets on deferred maintenance and delayed investment. The budget I present to you today, which fulfills all of our legal requirements and mandates, is designed to build on our successes and address the challenges we face as a city in a meaningful way. Madam President, I believe that providing improved, consistent service to our residents requires sustained investment in the human capital that is required to support our citizens and keep them safe. We must acknowledge that we have the lowest paid government workforce in central Virginia. That's just a fact. That is why my budget provides a 3% cost of living adjustment for our general employees, the first increase of its kind in 15 years. Additionally, my budget also maintains the planned step increases for public safety officials that were included in the FY 2020 budget approved last year and raises the starting salary for police officers to $43,000. For the third straight year, we will follow through on the commitment we've made to the men and women who put their lives on the line each and every day. Bottom line, we can no longer treat employee compensation as an afterthought. Investing in our employees so that we can recruit and retain our talent is simply one of the costs of doing business, and we must budget accordingly. My budget also supports increased staffing for our Citizen Service and Response Department, which runs RVA 311, so that we can reduce wait times and provide a higher level of customer service to our residents. But it's simply not enough to just take the calls. For those who call to, who call to a report a paving need or to request a sidewalk repair, we are simply years behind and millions of dollars short of what we need to resolve their issues. Today, we find the priorities that matter the most are schools, 
and our neighborhoods are struggling the most. Despite repairing 175 miles of road, 2,600 alleys, 3,200 sidewalks, and 50,000 potholes over the last two years, our streets are in a state of disrepair. Additionally, we also know that too many of our children are not getting the education they need. Our students are in classrooms with outdated technology, inadequate curriculum, and lacking the additional support from school counselors, reading specialists, and other support programs. Our children's schools are ill-equipped to provide the pathways to opportunity they deserve. And all these insufficiencies are contributing to the achievement gap. For me, this is simply unacceptable. In a city doing so well economically, how did we get here? To answer that important question, I think it's helpful to review what we've done historically and haven't done to get to where we are here today. The recession that hit just over 10 years ago was preceded in 2006 and 2007 by tax cuts that took the city's real estate tax from per $100 of assessed value from $1.29 to $1.20, where it has remained for the last 11 years. Just 15 years ago, that tax was $1.38, and 30 years ago, it was $1.53. Regardless of the reasons for these cuts, one thing is certain. This began a period of disinvestment in Richmond, made worse by the recession, and from which, despite our growth, our core infrastructure has not been properly maintained. Our annual budget for streets and sidewalks for the past decade has been a fraction of what we needed to adequately maintain our aging infrastructure. Yes, we can blame the weather, but it's our budget that drives our ability to keep up. Additionally, and perhaps most critically, during the recession, we saw a significant cut in both state and local investment in our city schools. I've been vocal this past year about the fact that the Commonwealth of Virginia is failing to fulfill its constitutional obligation to fund the true cost of public education, which has financially devastated schools like those here in Richmond. We've done our best to fill the gaps left by the state. But at the end of the day, we have asked our schools and our neighborhoods to sacrifice and to wait for years as we climbed out this whole of a recession, and in turn, we've deferred our maintenance and our investments. Madam President, it's time for us to have the tough, honest conversations about what it will take to build the city we want. It's time for we as elected leaders to demonstrate we have the courage and the vision to take the actions required to make Richmond not just a top 10 place to visit, but a top 10 place for people to live, for all of us to live. And that begins today. Ladies and gentlemen, this budget marks a new beginning. With this budget, we have an opportunity to invest in our children, our families, and our neighborhoods to build the city we all deserve. As a city, we only have so many places 
to turn to meet our needs. I firmly believe that we can no longer cut corners and punt our challenges to future city leaders. We've done that enough. Additionally, the state has proven once again its unwillingness to meet its obligations to localities and school divisions like ours. And while I, do every, I will do everything in my power to encourage future economic growth that will increase and expand our tax base, we cannot wait to invest in ourselves today, and failing to do so will only make it harder for us to be competitive tomorrow. For these reasons, I have included in this budget a restoration of our real estate tax rate to its pre-recession level of $1.29 per $100 of assessed value, the same rate it was in 2006. I'm also proposing that the city of Richmond impose its first ever tax on cigarettes of 50 cents per pack. These investments finally put the future in our city in our own hands. They will yield an additional $21.1 million and $3 million in annual revenue, respectively. With this new revenue, I am proud to announce that my budget provides $16.2 million for street paving and sidewalk maintenance. From Churchill to West Hampton, from Worthington Farms to Providence Park, these investments will allow us to support our neighborhoods in an equitable and sustainable way, not just this year, but every year. Additionally, and most importantly, my budget will also fully fund Richmond Public Schools' budget request of $17.8 million in new funding to implement the Dream for RPS strategic plan and provide much-deserved salary increases to our teachers. My budget also provides $284,000 for the RPS School Crossing Guard Program and an additional $373,000 to support transportation needs for after-school programs. These investments total at $18.5 million in incremental funding for Richmond Public Schools. My capital improvement program budget for this year also fully funds the eligible RPS maintenance needs at $19 million. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is what it means to provide meaningful investment in our kids and our neighborhoods. But let me back up a minute to explain why these investments are more crucial now than ever. In August and September of 2018, we administered a citizen survey for the city of Richmond. 
out of the questions related to the maintenance of the city, 73% of Richmonders were dissatisfied with the maintenance of our neighborhood streets and sidewalks. 73%. Now, I'm proud of the hard work of our public works employees who fixed 3,200 sidewalks and filled 50,000 potholes over the last two years. But the fact that we had 50,000 potholes to fill just goes to show that we aren't paving our streets in a responsible and consistent way. These are the investments our citizens have been asking us to make, not just in our streets, but in them. This will make it safer for every single one of our citizens to drive our roads or walk on our sidewalks. Safe and passable streets are not a luxury. They are a core necessity. Each person on this dais before me knows this because it's consistently the top issue you bring to my attention when we meet or that your constituents raise when we are standing together in the community. We all have Bobby Vincent on speed dial, but it's time to give him what he needs to do more than play whack-a-mole with potholes. As I mentioned in my State of the City address, we also are submitting to you today a 20-year capital improvement plan that will guide our investments in streets and sidewalks, our community centers, police and fire stations, and our city fleet, among other priorities. The $96.9 million CIP plan for the upcoming fiscal year 2020 makes a number of investments, including renovations to Powhatan and Southside community centers, and upgrades to Blackwell Playground and Chibarazzo Park so that we can enhance programming for youth and senior citizens alike. We are also assigning additional dollars to restore bridges, thoroughfares, and to continue our progress towards Vision Zero. As we make these capital investments to ensure we restore and maintain our infrastructure, I believe we must also continue to expand access to public transportation and housing opportunities in our city. My budget provides an additional $965,000 to the Greater Richmond Transit Corporation for increased service and route frequency to those communities that need it the most. Additionally, using existing funding, GRTC has committed to building new bus shelters where they are needed and don't exist today. My budget also proposes raising our contribution to the Affordable Housing Trust Fund to $2.9 million. <laughs> and proposes a commitment of $485,000 to our eviction diversion program, the first of its kind in the Commonwealth of Virginia. With these investments, we can increase access to housing that is affordable and provide stability and support to our most vulnerable residents struggling to stay in their homes. As we are asking our residents to sacrifice, 
and contribute to the success of our schools and the strength of our communities, these investments in public transportation and housing will help us do so in an equitable, equitable and responsible way. I owe everything I am today to the love of my father and my grandmother and their commitment to raise me in a supportive environment and to send me and my brother to a quality public school that allowed me to receive a quality education, which gave me the opportunity to succeed. There is no, important, no investment more important or worthwhile than the investment we make in our children. Their future is our future. And for too long, we have failed many of our children by not providing them access to high-quality education they need to succeed. Yes, money cannot and will not solve all the ills in our school system. But the lack of funding for the past decade has only compounded these challenges to provide our children the quality education they deserve. As a result, according to UVA's Walden Cooper Center for Public Service, just 73 out of 100 babies born in our city are eventually enrolled in first grade in Richmond Public Schools. White and black families alike have been fleeing the county to the counties or simply choosing private schools if they can afford it. While our families without those same resources to move have been left to live with the consequences of years of disinvestment and indifference, merely surviving when they should be thriving. They've had to navigate a system where more than half of our schools are not accredited. A system with the lowest graduation rate in the state. A system where the dropout rate for English language learners is 74%. We cannot be in an inclusive and competitive city if we allow this to continue. Last week, the school board approved a budget that makes it clear that bold action is required and real dollars are necessary in order to fund the strategic investments that will enable our schools to become engines of opportunity for all of our children. The $18.5 million in my operating budget for RPS will fund critical initiatives such as an equitable literacy plan to ensure all third grade graders are reading at at or above grade level. <laughs> New and engaging English and math curricula. <laughs> Increasing the number of school counselors and nurses available to our students. <laughs> Increasing the performance of the RPS bus system. And pay increases for the hardworking teachers and staff that are the lifeblood of Richmond Public Schools. <laughs> Let me be clear. This is an investment, a long-term investment. And like any investment, we have a right to expect a return on that investment no excuses. Alongside the increase in funding, we will insist on accountability by proposing an amendment to the education compact we all agreed to it in 2017 
that will commit the school board to an annual scorecard from RPS to track progress and performance and a date certain to deliver their plan for the rezoning of city schools. On the city side, we will commit to annual revenue sharing so that as our city grows, our schools will share in that growth. I believe this amendment to the Education Compact will provide the framework that many of you have asked for to put an end to the finger pointing and infighting over funding for public schools. But it requires us to acknowledge that we need to raise the bar. Believe me, I know what I'm proposing in this budget is not the easy thing to do. But ladies and gentlemen, it's the right thing to do. The fully balanced $758 million budget I described to you today is designed to build on our successes and address the years of disinvestment in our city. This budget is an investment in the future of Richmond, one that will pay dividends for generations to come. And as the great American poet Langston Hughes said, a dream deferred is a dream denied. So whether it's the dream of strong and thriving neighborhoods or the dreams for RPS strategic plan, we cannot allow these dreams to be deferred or denied any longer. <laughs> Members of the City Council, Madam President, I urge us all to embrace this bold opportunity to change the course of our city for its residents and for its children. Thank you, and God bless the great city of Richmond. Mayor. Miss Trammell. Miss Trammell. I'd like for the mayor to come back up here, please. Miss Trammell. Yes. Ms. Trammell. Mayor, thank you. I'm sorry. I'm just wanting to first. I didn't know we were taking questions, Madam President. We will have at most comments. Okay. We reserve our work sessions for the deep dive in these budgets. And so I will ask if there are comments, uh, brief comments from any members, that we will do that in this moment. And then we will reserve. And you should have before you the work plan. Our first session will be Monday, March 11th. Are you saying 11th. that I cannot talk to the mayor? Are you saying that I'm not going to be able to ask him? Mayor, where do you live? Madam mayor, Pres where do you live? Okay. Mayor, do you have a Madam house? President? Mayor, do Madam you, President? you own a house? Okay, just one second. Wait a minute. E no, everybody. This is a presentation of the yes, budget for the city. Right and what I've just him. said right. is that you may have, have a comment, but we will uh, all do that in order. That is it. And so... Ms. Trammell, please proceed with your comment. 
Mayor, you said that you were not going to raise taxes when you ran for mayor. How can you sit, how could you stand up here before all of us and do this to the people? Yeah, you're going to sit there and have everybody clap for you because you're talking about the schools, the children, and, and everything else. You, you can laugh all you want, but I'll tell you right now, you won't be laughing much longer because this okay. is not funny what you're doing to the Bang. people. You talk about the poor people. You talk about the poor okay. people. Why don't Ms. you come Trammell. out there and see them struggling to try to pay these real estate taxes, to try to pay these utilities. And also, you the one that helped say that the people don't have to live in the city. How much money did that take away from the city? How many dollars did that take away? Ms. Trammell, uh, thank you he for your not, comments. This is not fair for him to be able to sit there and laugh. I hope to God this is your last laugh, that you laughing at us up Ms. here. Ms. Trammell. Because it's not fair. Ms. Trammell and any other council members, I'm going to be clear. If you would like to make a comment, you may. But this is not the time for the work session, which will begin on Monday. It is not the time to go through and vet any of these components. So, again, a brief comment, if you would like. If you are not amenable to doing that, then we can go on to the next item. Well, I just want to be clear. Just lost their jobs with the schools. Have you I heard just, them crying on the phone to you? Madam President, Trammell, Ma Madam President, Ms. Trammell, Madam President, we have we all have received many calls. We have an opportunity to vet this budget with the administration, and we will do that. Any other comments? Seeing no Ms. Gray? I just have a question because I know um, the mayor was not expecting to answer any questions today. And we're not doing questions, ma'am. We're simply but doing comments. I have comments. a question for you and um, a question about process because during our budget deliberations, we don't have an opportunity to have any kind of discourse with the mayor. He's not in our budget sessions. He hasn't been. So will there be an opportunity to have a public conversation around these things with the mayor? That's, I, I understand he's not prepared to answer questions today, but there are pertinent questions around this budget that he is proposing that I think are important for the citizens to hear from sure. him. And, and what I will do is work with the administration to ensure that every question that we have, whether it's the mayor standing before us or his staff standing before us, we get those answers. The buck stops with us as the elected right. officials, and it's That's important correct. to hear from us. Um, I think my colleague may be a little um, more passionate about getting these questions answered right now, but no less important um, getting them answered from the mayor at some point. I think her question okay. around I'm, I'm clear. how much, how much um, and as far as I know, and this question has come up to me quite a bit, does, does our mayor actually own property in the city that would be seeing Ms. an increase in real estate Ms. taxes? Gray. So that will be one of the questions. Okay. All right, I will work with the administration relative to the questions. What I want to do at this point is to move to the next item on the agenda. I want to first say thank you, Mr. Mayor, for being response, for presenting a proposed budget that is responsive to the articulated priorities that the council, the community, and the constituency have all articulated, especially relative to public schools, especially relative to public safety, housing, transportation, infrastructure, uh, and our staff. I want to make sure that you understand we hear that you have heard from us relative to priorities. There are some bold steps you're proposing in this budget. And while I appreciate some of the concern being raised, 
we have a sense of urgency, especially as pertains to our children, that we all need to lean in on. And so it's really... And so I look forward... I look forward to fully vetting this budget with my council colleagues and the administration and everything that's been proposed to see if we can't get to that place that we are all committed to. With that, Madam Clerk, I want to call for the introduction of new legislation. Madam President, the introduction papers for this evening are as follows, and all ordinances will be scheduled for public hearing on Monday, April the 22nd at 6 p.m. to adopt the general fund budget for the fiscal year 2020, to adopt the special fund budgets for the fiscal year 2020, to accept a program of proposed capital improvement projects for the fiscal year beginning July 1, 2019, and for the four fiscal years thereafter, to appropriate and to provide funds for financing the school budget for the fiscal year 2020 to adopt the debt service fund budget for the fiscal year 2020, to adopt the internal service fund budgets for the fiscal year 2020, to adopt the Department of Parks, Recreation, and Community Facilities Richmond Cemetery budget for the fiscal year 2020, to adopt the Department of Public Works, Parking, Enterprise fund budget for fiscal year 2020, to adopt the electric utility budget for the fiscal year 2020, to adopt the gas utility budget for the fiscal year 2020, to adopt the Department of Public Utility Store internal service fund budgets for the fiscal year 2020, to adopt the storm water utility budget for the fiscal year 2020, to adopt the wastewater utility budget for the fiscal year 2020, to adopt the water utility budget for the fiscal year 2020, to amend the pay plan to provide for a 3% increase for classified and unclassified permanent city employees who are not in the step-based pay system for police and fire employees, to amend the pay plan to want to spend the police and fire career development program for fiscal year 2020, to provide for the Commonwealth Attorney's Office with sub salary supplements and Virginia Retirement System contributions, three, to provide the Sheriff's Office with salary supplements, and four, to, to suspend the education incentive for police and fire program for FY 2020, to amend the pay plan to modify the step-based pay system for, salaries for sworn firefighters and police officers to a 18-step system, to amend the city code to increase the real estate tax rate from $1.20 to $1.29 for every $100 of excess value for the tax year beginning January 1, 2020, to amend the city code by adding a new Article 18 for imposing a new tax for the sale of cigarettes, to amend the Appendix A of the city code concerning fees applicable to prescribers who use the city emergency communication systems and for whom the department installs, maintains, and repairs equipment in vehicles, vehicles to establish revised charges for such services, to amend Appendix A of the city code to increase cemetery fees, to amend Appendix A of the city code for the scattered gardens and the purchase of memorial site of cremation benches to establish revised charges, to amend city code and appendix A of the city code for providing for fees for the issuance of permits for concessions in park, public parks and playgrounds of the city, to amend appendix A of the city code concerning rates and discounts for parking facilities operated by the city, to amend city code concerning fines for parking for adjusting the fines for certain violations, to amend city code concerning permits and fees for erosion and sediment control, and to amend appendix A by adding a new fee. 
to amend Appendix A of the city code concerning fees for installing gas lights to establish revised charges for such services, to amend Appendix A of the city code concerning fees for gas services to establish revised charges for such services, to amend Appendix A of the city code concerning fees for storm water services to establish revised charges for the, the storm water utility services, to amend Appendix A of the city code concerning fees for wastewater services to establish revised charges for such services, to amend Appendix A of the City Code concerning fees for water services to, revise, to establish revised charges for such services, to amend Appendix A of the City Code concerning fees for solid waste to establish revised charges for such services, to authorize the issuance of general obligation public improvement bonds in the maximum principal amount of $84 million to finance the cost of school projects and general capital improvement projects of the city, to authorize the issuance of public utility revenue bonds in the maximum principal amount of $87 million to finance the cost of capital improvement projects of the gas, water, and wastewater utilities and public utility buildings and facilities, to authorize the issuance of general obligation equipment notes in the maximum principal amount of $5.2 million to finance the cost of equipment for the very departments, bureaus, agencies of the city and school, city schools. Madam President, that concludes the reading of the introduction papers for this evening. Thank you, Madam Clerk. I believe that we have a motion uh, that will be forthcoming to suspend the rules. Mr. Jackson, Ms. Larson, is that I correct? Move, I move to suspend Rule 6 of the Council's Rules of Procedure for all budget-related ordinances introduced today so that those ordinances are not referred or referred reviewed by a standing committee, but are instead reviewed during a budget review process developed by the council and the council chief of staff and heard during the budget public hearing scheduled for Monday, April 22nd, 2019 at 6 p.m. Thank you, Ms. Larson. Might I have a second? Second. Madam Clerk, if you would call the question. Council is voting on Councilor Larson's motion to suspend Rule 6 of Council's Rules of Procedure for all budget-related ordinances introduced today. So they are not referred to or reviewed by a standing committee, but are instead reviewed during a budget review process developed by the Council and the Council Chief of Staff and heard during the budget public hearing scheduled for Monday, April 22, 2019 at 6 p.m. Mr. Jones. Aye. Ms. Robertson. Aye. Ms. Larson. Aye. Ms. Gray. Aye. Ms. Trammell. Aye. Mr. Addison. Aye. Vice President Hilbert? Aye. And President Newbill? Thank you. Aye. Madam motion Clerk? Motion has passed. Would you repeat that again? That motion has passed. Thank you. Uh, with that, there being no further business before the council, this meeting is adjourned. <laughs>